My name is Charles, the lead pastor here. Welcome to Zoom Sunday service at the river. We're so glad you could join us. Well, we are in a special season called Lent. This is a season known for fasting and prayer for six weeks leading up to Easter. It's a spiritually charged time. So we are encouraging everyone to use this season to pray for something you need, as well as to grow in your spiritual maturity. We call this season 40 Days of Faith. And for the past few weeks, we covered the story of Abraham as we go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Now, we come to the famous story of Jacob. Last Sunday, Pastor Allison covered the beginning of Jacob's story when he deceives his dying father to cheat his brother Esau out of his rightful inheritance, the blessing. As a consequence of this trickery, Jacob has to run away because Esau swears to kill him. This happened in big part because Jacob has zero-sum mentality. In Jacob's mind, there is always a winner and a loser. If someone else wins, he loses. If his brother gets the blessing, then Jacob loses out. That's zero-sum mentality. His name literally means he who grasps at the heel. He bites, fights, claws his way up, no matter what happens to people around him. So his whole life becomes such a struggle with everyone. So now, the result is, Jacob is on the run. And he has a famous dream called Jacob's Ladder, where he sees angels coming and going to the heavens. There are movies and songs made about this ladder. This is famous. And his reaction to this profound spiritual experience is this. Then Jacob made a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Look at Jacob's mentality here. If God will keep me safe and return me to this place, then you will be my God. And I will give you 10% of what you give me. Bargaining with God. We know this routine, don't we? God, if you will help me get this job, I will not eat pork for a year. God, if you find me a husband or a wife, I will volunteer for a year. I will not swear anymore. I will quit smoking if only you will do this for me. We all have this mentality, especially in a season we are in, Lent, is traditionally well known for bargaining 
with God. Our relationship with God is often transactional. Serve God right. Give your give ten percent of your income to God, and God will bless you, make you rich. But just think about how ludicrous this whole setup is. I mean, what's in it for God? God gets ten percent of what God gives you. Is that a good deal for God? What a bad business God is in. Uh-huh. Every time God gets a worshiper, God loses 90%. Is God so desperate to recruit minions? As if getting Jacob as a worshiper is such an important and sweet deal for God. What, is God leading some kind of pyramid marketing scheme that is so desperate for someone to uh, be a follower? Like Nutriboom, Boom Boom Jake. Uh, Now I have nothing against asking God for blessings and miracles. But let's get this straight. We can't twist God's arms. We can't bargain with God. We can only ask for grace. If God does something for us, it's just pure gift from God. So, what Jacob is attempting here, this is not a good model to follow. Yes, asking for a blessing from God is how faith often starts, but faith is so much more. We can't get stuck in transactional mentality with God. Otherwise, we will end up like Jacob, who then spends the next 20 years matching wits with his uncle, who is just as devious, if not even more so, than Jacob. They make each other miserable. The fact is they both benefit immensely from each other. Because God blesses them both. They become immensely rich, both of them. But rather than being grateful for all the blessings, enjoying how they benefit each other. Instead, they lie and cheat and fight tooth and nail for 20 years. Just think how stressful that must have been. Jacob says to his uncle after 20 years, I have been with you for 20 years now. This was my situation. The heat consumed me in the daytime and the cold at night and sleep fled from my eyes. It was like this for the 20 years I was in your household. I worked for you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flocks, and you changed my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been with me, you would have surely have sent me away empty-handed. It sure sounds like Jacob has such a tough life, doesn't it? Doesn't Jacob sound so bitter? Even though he became immensely rich out of all this, but he did not have a good time. Finally, Jacob can't take it anymore at his uncle's house. And he heads back home, even though he knows Esau is there. Remember the brother who vowed to kill him? And sure enough, Jacob hears that Esau is coming to meet him with 400 fighting men. Why would Esau bring 400 warriors 
Looks like Esau is coming to kill him. What a pickle Jacob is in. He has fled his uncle only to meet Esau's army. He has jumped from the frying pan into the fire. This is what happens when you treat everyone like an enemy. They all turn against you. So what does Jacob do? Well, he has lots and lots of servants, an amazing amount of livestock and wealth. So he puts everyone and everything by groups, lots and lots of groupings. And he sends each group one by one ahead of him to meet Esau in descending importance. Even his own wives and children become pawns in this game of strategy. He puts them in front of him, sends them ahead of him across the river into danger and he stays behind alone. His strategy seems to be if it comes to blows, this will give him the best chance to get away. He uses even his own children for his survival. That's when God appears to wrestle with Jacob. This is a very famous passage when Jacob wrestles with God all night. Let's read the passage. This left Jacob all alone in the camp. This meaning sending everyone ahead of him over the river and he's now safe but all alone in the camp. And a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he would not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, Let me go, for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. He replied, Jacob. Your name will no longer be Jacob, the man told him. From now on, you will be called Israel, because you have fought with God and with men and have won. Please tell me your name, Jacob said. Why do you want to know my name? The man replied. Then he blessed Jacob there. Jacob named the place Peniel, which means face of God, for he said, I have seen God face to face, yet my life has been spared. I find this passage so fascinating. Turns out this man is God. As we talked about before, in the oldest passages of the Bible, God appears as human beings and they don't recognize God for God for at least quite a while. So, here Jacob wrestles with God all night long. At the end, he is hobbled. His thigh was put out of joint. That's never happened to me, but I imagine Jacob cannot even stand straight. So he's probably hanging on to this man who is God and he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, how is that? He can barely stand. If God wanted to go, God can go. Just a flick of a wrist and Jacob will fall. So you may notice here that Jacob doesn't try to bargain, offer something in return for the blessing. For once, Jacob has run out of his tricks. 
There is no leverage, no strategy. He is just hanging on, asking to be blessed. Like that, we too are helpless vis-a-vis -vis God. We can't bargain with God. There is nothing God lacks. So it's really encouraging to see God blessing Jacob anyway. This helpless Jacob. And this experience changes him. His name is changed to Israel. You see, his whole life can be summarized by this night of wrestling. Jacob wrestles and wrestles with everyone, every day, everywhere he goes, including God. Trying to get bargains, trying to get the upper hand, trying to use every trick, every strategy that he can come up with to eke out an advantage. God has wrestled with Jacob all his life. But nothing changes him. Jacob would not let go. But this night, he is finally rendered helpless. He is cornered and hobbled. He cannot even stand up straight. He has to let go of all his scheming and bargaining and strategizing because, strategizing because he's got nothing left. And at that moment, he hangs on to God and asks, for a blessing. That is faith. That is the beginning of the community of faith, beginning of Israel. It begins with pure gift, grace from God to those who are helpless. Faith is this attitude of coming to God saying, I have nothing to offer. I have nothing to bargain with. I do not claim any rights. I simply ask to be blessed. I simply ask for your love and favor. I simply ask for grace. I will stay in this posture until you bless me. That is Christian faith. That is the cross. That is the gospel. To believe you are already blessed. You don't have to fight and cheat and claw your way to get God on your side. God is already on your side. In that faith, Jacob achieves peace. This changes Jacob from inside out, which is reflected by the change in his name, Jacob, to Israel. His character changes for the better, not just his name. That is proven by what happens after. Next morning, Jacob takes the lead. He goes first. He does not remain in the back anymore, the Bible tells us. He put the servant wives and their children at the front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph last. This shows Jacob's priority. See, Rachel and Joseph were the apple of Jacob's eyes. And then Leah and her children, and then the servant wives and their children. So the least important goes first, takes the place of danger. And the most important stays in the back. That's the safe place. And that's where Jacob used to be. But here is what changes. Then Jacob went ahead. A simple sentence, but such a profound change. 
up to this point he was in the very very bad now he goes up front as he approached his brother he bowed to the ground seven times before him then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him threw his arms around his neck and kissed him and they both wept what a beautiful scene Jacob says to Esau, What a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God. This brother that Jacob did everything he could to cheat and push down, this brother Esau that Jacob saw only as an enemy, now seeing Esau feels like seeing the face of God. Jacob's Zero-sum mentality got changed by encounter with God, by faith. There is reconciliation, beautiful transformation. This is salvation. This is slice of heaven on earth. Beautiful story, isn't it? There are echoes of Genesis chapter 3 here, the story of the fall of humanity. We covered that story in the first and second sermon of this series in January. If you missed it, please check it out. They really set up the whole Bible. Now we saw today how Jacob feels insecure, inadequate. He always needs more, more, more. Nothing is ever enough. He fights all his life. He will lie, cheat, do anything to get ahead. This is akin to Adam and Eve in, chapter, in Genesis chapter 3 needing a covering after judging themselves to be inadequate. Result is Jacob is alienated from everyone, just like in Genesis chapters 3 and 4. But now Jacob achieves peace and reconciliation through faith. Likewise, we must become more secure in our own skin in our God. Surveys say the majority of Christians believe that their rights and their way of life, our faith, is under attack today from the secular way. To the extent that the majority of white Christians say they are the most persecuted people group on earth. As minority, minority rights rise in the United States, as other faith groups are being given their own space here, Muslims, Buddhists, pagans, they seem to be increasing in influence and numbers. And we can feel like our own space is shrinking as a result. This can make us insecure, small-minded, lead us to zero-sum mentality. If other groups win, then me and my group loses. I was sad to read about the story of a community pool that used to host thousands of people back in the 60s and 70s, a great center for community life, making the town vibrant. But when laws changed and black people could no longer be kept out of public places like pools, they shut down the pool rather than share it with other groups. The result was everybody lost out. The town lost its vitality, a great town center. Isn't that sad? Life is not zero-sum game. We can all rise up together. Just because someone else does well doesn't mean I'm losing. If there was no God, yes, I could see people developing such an, such an attitude. But Christians 
should not see the world as zero-sum game. No. The lesson of faith here is that we can all rise up together. In fact, we rise up together or we fall together. Towards the end of his life, Jacob says, few and unpleasant have been the years of my life. Jacob got so much material blessing, but his life was such a struggle, not very pleasant. What's life for? What's money for? What are blessings for? If you're going to say, end up saying at the end of your life, my life has been unpleasant. So don't just pray to get your miracles this season. Faith is so much more than just getting it right and getting blessed. As you pray for blessings, make sure to pray for changes in your inner being, changes in your mentality and approach to life. Life is the greatest gift from God. Let's spend it well. Let's pray that God would make us all soft-hearted, generous, giving, and caring. Let's never feel like we are all alone fighting our way through this dog-eat-dog world. No, God is on our side. We are already blessed. God is looking to bless us. Let's live in that faith and we will all rise up together. Amen. Now, I would love to discuss all this with you, so please stick around for our Zoom Sunday discussions at 11.45. I love seeing your faces and interacting with you all. So if you could at all, I know we are all fatigued by the Zooms and all that, but if you could, make an effort. Please join us on our Zoom Sunday services at 11 or in our weekly Zoom groups, and it would just be wonderful to be able to interact with each other. God bless everyone. Bye.